it's Dr. Tamara Beckford with your Karen Docs, my private practice owners. Remember that med school class on managing team dynamics? No, me either. Running a private practice can be grueling and med school left out that manual on managing people, navigating through challenges, learning on the fly. It's a constant struggle of decision, conflicts, and burnout. But what if it could be different? What if you can tap into your team's strength for a more efficient process? I'm hosting a free masterclass named Seven Strengths Your Private Practice Team Must Utilize in 2024 to Boost Profitability. Join us on how we go through and leverage all these team strengths. We'll delve into task alignment, identifying strengths. If you are ready to transform your practice, then register now for this masterclass at www.yourcaringdocs.com forward slash masterclass. That's www.yourcaringdocs.com forward slash masterclass. It will be held on Tuesday, January 23rd at 6 p.m. CST, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard. See you then. Hello, 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 everyone. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us today. We are going to have a wonderful conversation. It's all about mentorship. Now, we know that if not all of us, I was going to say most, but if not all of us have gotten to where we are through a mentor, there has been someone who mentored us either intentionally or unintentionally. Like we've been like eyeing this person and then just saying, you know what? Ooh, I like how they're doing this. I'm going to do this too. Or you might have had someone who's guiding you and literally guiding you to move to be the better version of yourself. That's what we're talking about today, the magic of mentorship and why it matters. Now, I have one of my lovely sister docs here, and I'm going to bring her in so she can tell you all about her wonderful story and all that brought her to wanting to help others through mentorship, right? All right, so my lovely sister doc, snap, snap, right? <laughs> She's a graduate of Wright State University School of Medicine. She did a year of internship in general surgery. We're going to find out all about that. And Morehouse, so all my Morehouse people, hey, hey. Then she did her internal medicine residency at the University of South Alabama. She is the CEO and founder of Renee Health, where she offers health coaching, health education, and captivating speaking services, right? She also empowers individuals to take an active role in their health and wellness through enhancing health literacy and guiding people to advocate for themselves. In addition to that, she is also the co-founder of Young Debs Incorporated, which is a nonprofit mentoring program in Baltimore. She helps to guide future physicians and healthcare professionals, and she also helps individuals and organizations build and implement effective mentorship. All righty, everybody, let's give a little shout out to Dr. Renee Ruffin, April Renee, April Renee Ruffin. Hey, hey. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> hello, hello. All righty, I already has somebody saying, hey, hey, giving us a shout out. Hey, Dr. Shola, Dr. Shola, she said, hey, girl, how y'all doing? Hey. <laughs> love, love, love. <laughs> so, Alrighty, Dr. April Ruffin. We're gonna go by Dr. April. Yes. <laughs> Alrighty. You know, getting into medicine, it takes a lot. It's a lot of years, you know, to go through this entire process. But you decide to do it. So tell us when was it that you were like, you know what? I want to be a doctor. Go ahead and tell <laughs> us when that came in. So uh <laughs> I always enjoyed helping people, even as a child, I always liked helping people, but I knew mm -hmm. for sure mm -hmm. uh, as an adult. So I was a person that liked to create my own experiences. Mm -hmm. So if something wasn't mm -hmm. out there, I created it. So I reached out mm -hmm. to one of my uncles who works at Johns mm -hmm. Hopkins. And I said, hey, I said, you know, do you know any doctors there who would be open mm -hmm. to having a student shadow them? And so mm -hmm. he he works in the ED. He's like, you know, there there's a particular doctor, Dr. Mackey. He's probably retired now, but shout out Dr. Mackey. Um, Hello. He, <laughs> he, yeah, he did pediatric and adult emergency medicine. Mm -hmm. And I actually created my own summer learning experience with mm -hmm. him that we met. And just being engrossed 
in the environment, talking to other uh, doctors in different parts of their journey from residents to attendings. Mm -hmm. It really helped me solidify that, yeah, this is what I want to do. And mm -hmm. so I went on and I actually didn't get into medical school the first time I tried. Uh, it took me two tries and mm -hmm. I, it landed me back at Hopkins again where I did research. And my PI, Dr. Arun Bakatasan, um, he, you know, took a chance, hired me, you know, mm -hmm. and knew what I wanted to do. And that was one of the challenging things was when you're trying to find a job and experiences or people are going to sponsor you and mentor you, it's kind of tough because sometimes people say, oh, well, you'll, you'll be a doctor and you'll be going to medical school in two years. So, you know, I had a hard time even getting a job. And oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Why would we invest all this time in you and then you're going to just leave? Exactly. And mm -hmm. so he hired me and he was really open. He was an MD PhD. And so he got, he understood it. Mm -hmm. And with, and I worked with a combination of other MDs who actually worked in the lab and PhD students and things. And so from those experiences, I actually got to do some shadowing experiences with him and his clinic. So mm -hmm. again, it's kind of going back to kind of creating opportunities for myself because no one in my family is a physician. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my family knew that, you know, it, it took financial uh, obligations and took a lot of time and resources, but it was really about asking around with people who know people who know people to create mm -hmm. experiences to see, hey, is this the kind of environment that I want to be in? I knew mm -hmm. I loved science. I knew I enjoyed that. I knew I enjoyed understanding how the body works. And I knew I liked to help people. Right. So just created experiences for myself along the way. Mm -hmm. by, hey, is this what I really want to do? And I think having that time off between undergrad and matriculating into medical school gave me that time to say, you know, this is what I really want to do. And so not getting in was probably one of the best things that ever happened. Because mm -hmm. it caused me to reflect and say, hey, is this what you really want? Are you just going through the motions of all the other pre-meds in school? <laughs> is everybody's like a neuroscience major and chem majors and all this, the best pre-med. You know, are, am, I, am I getting wrapped up in mm -hmm. the ego? Right. Or am I really doing this because I feel compelled and called to do it? So, Which is important. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the reason why it's important is during the hard times when you're studying in medicine and, you know, there has to be a inner drive and uh, the motivation of, is this truly what I want to do? That's what's going to get you through because this is really what I want to do. Yeah. Nothing else is going to get you through those times when you're leaving with a six figure debt, when yeah. you're not getting any sleep, you're eating crackers and peanut butter, leftover crackers for the patient's tray that hasn't been opened and your study. And in addition to all that, you got to go home and study mm -hmm. and you have to go and present in front of people who know more than you and are asking you questions. Like nothing prepares you for that. And you don't go through that because you want to. Yeah. Look cool. Exactly. You got to have a motivation. It has to be that drive inside. Yeah. So you're right. You had to say like, you know, this is what I really want. I know that I have to go through all of this. Mm -hmm. And on the other end, I'm going to have the ability to help others yeah. in a way that like, you know, not that many other professions can. So you're yeah. right. You got to make sure you want it. <laughs> exactly. I was like, because yeah, no, money, no amount of money in the world is going to replace your happiness and what you feel compelled to do with your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. All right. So there we go. You just took the time. You took the time. You shadowed the people. You got the mentor. Now you're in med school. So mm -hmm. while you were in medical school, right? And, um, you know, eating pizzas, you know, joining organizations for pizza in the evening. Yeah. Guys, we're giving you the behind the scoop scene. This is what med school is yeah. like. Yeah. Go where the free food is. That's where you free, go. where the free food is. That's where yeah. it is, right? Because you're studying and that's mm -hmm. whatever is left over. So you're there now doing that. What did you go into med school saying, I want to be a blank? Did you have that? Or did you go in and you're like, you know what? Once I get the experiences, as you mentioned, through the different um, rotations, I'll decide what I want to be. Where, which one of them were you? I 
actually thought I wanted to be a pediatrician. Mm. And that was really because of my own pediatrician. Mm-hmm. He's still practicing. Dr. Paku is still practicing. Hey, Dr. Paku. <laughs> but just the kind of person that he was. Mm-hmm. And he still keep in touch. Mm-hmm. And I just love the kind of person that he was. And even when I aged out, you know, mm-hmm. I would go back to visit, say hello, let him know where I was in my journey. Mm-hmm. Even referred other people that I knew that had children to him. And it's just his rapport and just who he was as a person. I was like, you know what? I, I want to be like him. I want to be like Dr. Papu. Mm-hmm. And he was always so encouraging. You know, he was one of those doctors where he went, you know, he would he would always kind of pour something into you. Yes. You know, came. And so he knew I was, you know, that overachiever kind of student, <laughs> that kind of person. But, you know, and I just love it about him. And so mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a pediatrician, maybe subspecialize and, you know, maybe take over his practice. And boy, did that change. I did pee. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. So now you gave more of a shout out to Dr. Baku after doing oh. Yeah, I was like, thank you, because I could not do that. <laughs> it was not for me. Oh my goodness. Alrighty. Well, there you, well, what is it that you were like, all right, this is what I'm going to do now that I've done rotated. There we go. Mm-hmm. This is what, so internal yeah. medicine. You're like, I need adults. Well, you, you already, you so know. I knew I needed, I knew I needed adults, mm-hmm. I knew I needed adults. <laughs> and I was a student that I really, from most of my rotations, I really enjoyed a lot of my rotations. Mm-hmm. I like the surgical parts of OBGYN. Mm-hmm. I had several attendees try to convince me to do maternal fetal medicine. Um, but I, I liked using my hands. And I knew mm-hmm. that I liked something that was procedural based because I mm-hmm. had experiences in my research, in my clinical, in my uh, non-clinical type of yeah. research prior. Research mm-hmm. prior. So I knew I liked that. And so I was torn between something that was more procedural based and something that was, uh, I don't want to say more intellectually based, but internal medicine is very cerebral. Yeah. It is mm-hmm. a very cerebral specialty, which is often um, not appreciated as much as some mm-hmm. of the more procedural based. But mm-hmm. it's like the foundations of what we all call of medicine, where everything kind of stems from that. Absolutely. I knew I liked those different parts. So I thought about, you know, oh, you know cardiology, individual. So I, was, I knew I liked procedural. And so I kind of had that mindset even going into medical school. And mm-hmm. surgery intrigued me. Because I liked breast surgery, I liked plastics reconstruction. I just it, it seemed very artistic mm-hmm. to me, and so I liked that. And so I said, you know what, I'm I'm going to go for that. Mm. And I did. All right, there we go. So you did your intern year mm-hmm. as a surgical resident. Yeah, that's right. All righty. So tell us about that. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was definitely an experience. I will say that. Um, so I did my surgery intern year at Morehouse School of Medicine. Mm-hmm. And that was the point where I realized it was not for me. Okay. And, and that's important. Mm-hmm. It's important to know what you want. And it's also more important to know what you do not want. Exactly. And it took a lot of internal reflection. I talked mm-hmm. to several women, women physicians in particular, mm-hmm. um, those who stuck it out and they mm-hmm. had traditional paths in medicine. And those that actually decided that they want, they started off just like me, mm-hmm. in, their, in their surgery careers, and then decided to go to other careers. Mm. And so I really leaned into those conversations with those women mm-hmm. because I knew that it was a lot of fear. It was like, you know, it's scary when you're changing a trajectory. Absolutely. And, and as doctors and training, like we're trained to kind of. You know, we're very type A personality for most of us. Yeah. And we're so used to having a plan. We know how that plan's going to be. Mm-hmm. With that plan, then when something in that plan doesn't go according to plan, then sometimes we tend to <laughs> know, like we just don't know what to do. We can feel so lost. We can feel like failures. Yes. And one of the best pieces of advice that I got was, you know, you've gotten this far. And you have the ability to change your trajectory however you choose to. It's yes. just you have to be brave enough to say, 
is this going to lead like 10 years from now? And is this going to help me achieve where I want to be in 10 years? And mm -hmm. if the answer is no, then you have to be, you have to have the courage right now to say, I'm going to have the courage to step away, mm -hmm. redirect myself so that in 10 to 15 years, I'm living the life that I want. Absolutely. And that's, and that's what I chose to do. I knew where I wanted to be in those 10 to 15 years. And I knew that before medical school, I knew the types of things I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And so I had to look at my life 10 to 15 years after mm -hmm. the med school experience and say, where does April want to be? And so when mm -hmm. I answered that question for myself, and when I didn't see anyone else around me have the life that I wanted for myself, mm -hmm. you know what you have to do. You just have to have the courage to say, you know what? I'm going to I need to make a change. And I'm going to make a change. And Absolutely. I would say that is the best decision I have ever made for myself in my career. Love it. Love it. Love it. And you're right. A lot of times we and, you know, we are speaking from experiences as physicians. So we're talking from that. But this applies to others who are in different phases of their lives. We can just yep. speak to the lives that we've lived. Mm -hmm. um, you've made decisions. You've looked at the end point and you're working towards that goal. However, when the steps towards it are not aligning, mm -hmm. there's a lot of internal conflict that occurs. Yeah. It takes courage to say that I need to step out and to follow the path. Like there is a way for me to reach that end goal that I want, but this is just not the path for me. Mm -hmm. So that takes a lot of courage, a lot of reflection. Um, you said that you spoke to a lot of people, you know, it's not like you just made this decision on a whim because there's a difference between when times are hard and you're, you, put yourself out or pull yourself out of the game because it's hard versus when you do the reflection to say, is this what I truly want? You've done all the research, you've spoken to the mentors, you've spoken to others who are doing it, and you truly say that this is not for me. There's a big difference between those two. Yeah. And you sat and you made that decision. So now you know you're there and you've decided to do internal medicine. And like you said, internal medicine had a lot of cerebral parts to it. So you got, um, and it's a, it, internal medicine is a foundation of medicine. Even the specialties, the other specialties, it all starts with internal medicine and it moves on to the different um, specialties that are out there. So in addition to that, you know, after you've been working and doing this, what is it that made you, um, you know, Dr. Ruffin said, you know what? I need to start mentoring some people. Like, what is it that drew you to this and say, mentoring? You know, I've been mentored. I, I, I think I need to start this. Tell us that story. Yeah. So I actually started my mentor, my journey as a mentor, mm -hmm. starting at age seventeen. Mm -hmm. And. At that age, I actually helped co-found a nonprofit organization called Young Debs Incorporated, mm -hmm. located in Baltimore, Maryland. And so that was my first experience in a role in a mentorship type of role. But as I moved further along in my career, because I've I've always like I said I've mentored grade school students, but as I mm -hmm. moved forward in my career, I found myself in more informal ways becoming a mentor mm -hmm. as I moved along because I would have people come and ask questions, very poignant questions mm -hmm. about life and career and, you know, what to do when you have failures, what to do when you have setbacks, what do you do mm -hmm. when people tell you to give it up, to give up on this, this dream, this aspiration. Mm -hmm. And from there, some of those more informal roles of what a mentor does, mm -hmm. shifting and becoming more formal. And I would say it really started maturing in mm -hmm. terms of mentoring uh, medical students, residents, other professionals, is when I actually became an attending myself. Mm. <clears throat> and 
I actually took it up a level where I would have residents who I work with, you know, I could see that they knew it. It was the confidence that they were lacking. And I have those conversations say, hey, like, this is my role. This is why I'm here. Mm-hmm. The day you're the doc, you tell me what you want to do. And mm-hmm. so some of these conversations with them, just getting to know a little bit more about, you know, who they are and offering my support. And I always offer it. Some take you up on it. Some don't, you know, it's their choice. But I've had a few in which they actually took me up on my offer and we would have conversations and, you know, we would text or email, meet up, or if we see each other in the hospital, you know, take that 15, 20 minutes and just chat and say, hey, like, what's going on? How is it going? Mm -hmm. And I found that I didn't have to seek the people. They sought me. Mm. And so it that's the point where I knew that, okay, I must be living my life in a certain way in which if I say, hey, you know, if you have any questions or if there's anything that you want to know more about medicine, you know, feel free to ask me. You know, I'm, I'm really very candid. I'm willing to share with you the knowledge that I have. I don't know everything, but I'm willing to share with you what I have. Absolutely. And then I started having people seek me out. And so like right now, I think I have about, oh goodness, I have two that are applying to medical school right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have one that is a resident starting his first attending job. Nice. And so it kind of fell into this fold. And so I said, you know, I'm taking the skills that I learned from working with my grade school students and folded those skills into what I learned as a physician. And I was able to manifest that into helping those who are entering in the professional realm. Because mm-hmm. there are all differences, but I found that my skills that I learned earlier were transferable to mentoring anyone. And that's the biggest thing that I encourage people to do. It's like, anybody can really do it if, if it's something that you want to do. Absolutely. Wanting to really have time to do, but I enjoy seeing people grow. I enjoy when I get the emails or the texts where, you know, you've been trying to match and get into a residency and I'm trying to do my thing with mentorship and throwing some sponsorship and seeing what I can do. And I love seeing getting the text. Oh, I got, thank you so much for putting in a good word for me. I got the I got the interview and, you know, and Mm -hmm. I love that. Like, I love to see people win and my experience through med school. And I had this conversation with one of my med school besties. Mm -hmm. Now it's like a brother, it's like a brother, sister kind of thing. We're family. Yeah. And I said, you know, when all is said and done and, and I'm through this, I said, I want to put myself in a position where I can offer the support and and knowledge and resources that mm-hmm. we desperately seek out. Absolutely. I felt compelled to want to do that as a medical student. Mm-hmm. It just happened very naturally as I've exited. But there's been some work into it too. You know, I, I extend those olive branches out to individuals that I think are willing to receive it. And you have mm-hmm. some that extend back and they're willing to, you know, to have a, that mentorship relationship dynamic. And it just absolutely that. I love it. See, one of the beauty about mentorship, as you've uh, um, described so eloquently, is it's one of those gifts that keeps on giving. It's the um, ability to change the trajectory of someone else's lives. So you're pouring in um, and it requires time, which is very precious, but it's time that it requires from the mentor to the mentee, that relationship that has a huge impact. Now I can even, I'm pretty sure if I were to ask you, you know, you can think of at least three people who have mentored you Mm -hmm. in the past. And if you were to think about it and you think of how many years ago you interacted with this person, but probably maybe the first time, the numbers are probably gonna be double digits because the impact is still going on like you know years and years later um and uh, this is the gift that they gave to you the time and then now you're giving that same gift Mm -hmm. to someone else 
with the hope that that person will do the same. Yep. To, you know, continue that gift. Now, there's another part um, that you do offer um, as a part of Dr. April Ren um, Renee Ruffin, <laughs> where you're also the founder of um, the um, Renee Health. So tell us about that. When did you decide to start that? And what is it that compelled you to do so? So I actually started it uh, during like the height of COVID when we were all pretty much on lockdown. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I wanted to create something for myself beyond the bedside mm. because in my training, you know, being in Atlanta and Mobile, Alabama, I noticed that a lot of individuals within the community, especially when I look at <clears throat> the black community, mm -hmm. the Hispanic Latino community is there is a, a, a lack of knowledge sometimes in terms of medical literacy mm -hmm. and there are certain things that people will say, oh, yeah, I know I have the sugar, you know, or the diabetes. Or yes. That. And, but some people underestimated the severity of what that really means. Mm -hmm. How that would impact their lives mm -hmm. didn't get controlled. You know, like, it's not a death sentence, but it's mm -hmm. important to understand that we need to manage this. Absolutely. So that we can keep our eyesight, so that we can have good dentition, so that we mm -hmm. can keep our kidneys healthy, our hearts healthy, our brains healthy. Like, and so I said, you know, I really want to be able to create something where I educate individuals, but also empower individuals to mm -hmm. learn how to be good advocates for themselves and their family members. Yes. Because you have some people who they want to, you want to advocate for your mom, your dad, your auntie, your uncle, but they're not, they don't necessarily know how to do that effectively. Mm -hmm. You see that a lot of times when you're dealing with, you know, patients and families from all walks of life and you get the frustrations, but the frustrations are always manifest in a way that's going to be productive to get yeah. what it is that you need. And mm -hmm. so with all of those things in mind, I say, you know, I want to create something that I can educate people within my community and beyond. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to hone on other non-clinical skills that I have to really make a significant impact. Mm. So I said, well, what kind of things do I want to offer? Uh, I enjoy Speaking, I believe that the power of storytelling is transformative. Absolutely. I wanted to have a platform where I could continue to do that work, where I could also um, educate mm -hmm. as well and also provide services in which I can help other groups or organizations to in, you know, improve their employee retention. Mm -hmm. um, and, that's, and I said, well, I want to capitalize on my years of mentorship and say, hey, you know, if you're having your your new interns, your new recruits and things coming in, these are things that you can have in the place that you can help make sure that you're decreasing burnout, actually, mm -hmm. <laughs> having the amount of support that they need. Because oftentimes, you know, we're shoved into situations and you finish that onboarding and hands are off <laughs> on your own. And you're just sitting there, <laughs> brand new baby bird. And you got shoved out. out. Go ahead and fly. <laughs> you know, but it's just like, you know, we're not baby birds just trying to fly. You know, yeah. baby birds just trying to fly. Mm -hmm. There's a time period where you have the, the, the mother. The nurturing that occurs. Nurturing, right? Before you say, okay, now fly. And so um, and so I wanted to create something that encompassed all of those things and mm -hmm. always get the time to do all of the education and the motivational interviewing and all the things because I'm a hospitalist. Mm -hmm. And you, know, you have 15 plus patients, various complexities, it's hard to do that as you would want to do with the amount of time that you have during a given day. Absolutely. I wanted to create a platform where, you know, if, you know, uh, other community organizations were in need of these services, they have a place where they can come mm -hmm. and do things. And I did some, a lot of this work, especially with um, health education as a resident, you know, I would go yeah. to churches and different um, civic groups and organizations and talk about you know uh, heart health and 
how to properly manage chronic medical conditions. I enjoy that work. I enjoy the interaction with the community. And so I, I said, well, let me build something while we're all locked in on timeout, <laughs> you know, and creates and like now's the perfect time because all I did was go to work and, and then come back, come back home. I wasn't really doing much else. So I said, well, let me get my creative juices flowing and see what I can create during this time. And so I, I love it. Build something for myself. Wow. You know, like we said, um, during the times of COVID, there are a lot of great ideas and businesses that um, emerged from that time. You know, mine is one of them. I'm glad that yours is also one that emerged during the time when it's uh, how can I help a little bit more? Because and I know people are thinking like, well, you're a doctor, you're already doing that. And it, and what's going on in our minds as, you know, for those of us who ventured and started additional businesses is I recognize that I am helping using this skill, but I actually have more skills out there that nobody knows about, not even I do. And I want to pull from those skills, you know, have it grow, emerge, so that I can have an even bigger impact on this thing called life, you know, the lives of others. So yes, I have this great impact as a doctor and being able to help to heal in that respect, but I also want to be able to have a bigger impact. And that's what you do. So through the literacy, imagine the life of a family that's changed once they understand that one important key step, such as, okay, yeah, I heard that I have diabetes or high blood pressure, you know, and both are silent killers. You know, I always tell people, yeah, they're like, well, I felt good. I didn't take my medicine because I felt good. I said, well, I'm still feeling bad. That means damage is happening, right? So just even that that little bit of information, you know, to the family. And then even something important that you mentioned, which is how to advocate appropriately. There are, you know, ways where you can get things done. Um, understandably so, there are health challenges that occurs and there are disparities that happens here in our country. And there are ways to get things done effectively where you can still get the appropriate um, answers to your questions, but in a way where the other person can get you the answer and you can ask the appropriate question and it's not out of anger. Yes. You know? It's not out of um, retaliation. Um, it's a way that uh, both sides recognize that we're both working for the common good of the patient. So um, that's a skill set that a lot of people need on both ends, the provider or those with the information and those who are seeking the information. And to have someone who can bridge those gaps and help, that's you know an important aspect because it's a win-win situation in that respect. Exactly. Yeah, so I love it. Alrighty, so now that's a lot. Let's put it, let's just be real. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> and you know, because you're working, you're trying to help to advocate, you're teaching, you're doing all the things. Now, have you experienced burnout? I have. Ma'am, what did that look like? <laughs> oh my goodness. Not a not a place I I, I want to go back. I've 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 likely been burned out probably I, I would say at least twice in my career. Mm-hmm. And I mean I finished residency in 2019, so it hasn't been that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say my first experience of burnout was not even in residency, it was actually my first attending job. Right. Mm-hmm. Um well I was well, I mean backtrack. I was definitely burned out during my surgery residency. <laughs> definitely, definitely burned out there. It was, you know, um, just kind of the work schedule and the environment um, mm-hmm. very challenging. But in terms of my first attending job, mm-hmm. it was a lot of burnout, and a lot of it had to do with just a toxic workplace mm-hmm. that contributed to it a lot. And you start. Uh, second guessing yourself and saying, well, is it me? Am I doing something? Is something wrong with me? And I was fortunate because I had some colleagues, some of which were I call friend. And we, you know, we're, I, we still keep in touch, tight knit. And I asked, I said, you know, are you feeling this way? And you know, kind of explaining it. And then when you're having a conversation, it's like, okay, well, this person over here is feeling this way. 
a second person over here is feeling the same way, a third, fourth, fifth. And so then you end up getting, you know, six or seven people who mm -hmm. are all saying the same things. Mm -hmm. We all experience some of the same types of negative experiences. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of times in our, in, you know, healthcare systems, they talk about, you know, wellness, but who is taking care of the healer? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because the, because the thing is, you know, you can't pull from an empty vessel. Mm -hmm. So a lot of time healing and helping others in terms of, you know, truly practicing the art of healing. Yes. A lot of times that gets overlooked when you're looking at the healer. Mm -hmm. And we don't often get the same level of grace and consideration to make sure that the healers are you know are are taken care of or at their optimum yeah and yeah. They're able to work optimally and that can be manifested in different scenarios but i would say that was my first experience of burnout and i was i would come home just like crying some days hmm. i'm just exhausted mm -hmm. and you know and i i've had all this energy and i'm like i was do i was working more hours as a resident and i wasn't nearly as tired Mm -hmm. Now it's like, why am I watching a comedy Netflix show and I'm sitting here bawling my eyes out? Not, <laughs> not because I'm laughing so hard I'm crying, but because it on the inside affect my mental health. Mm. And no, I can't. This can't happen. Mm -hmm. It's starting to affect my physical health. Mm. And I said, nope. I draw the line. I I cannot allow for a job to put my health, my physical and mental health at risk. And so I chose to create something different for myself and look for other opportunities because I, so, so that experience taught me how to identify when I'm getting to a burnout situation mm -hmm. and when to be able to step away if I have to and how mm -hmm. to adjust to prevent myself from getting to that point mm -hmm. before it's to the point where like, okay, I'm not trying to go back watching the comedy Netflix special and cry my eyes. You're like, it's the opposite. It's the opposite that should be going on. You should have been laughing. Exactly, I should be laughing, not crying. Not so, crying. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, interesting what you've described are a couple of the phases of burnout where, you know, you're talking about like the emotional exhaustion, um, which is a depletion. You're like, my energy is depleted, you know? And then you talked about also the physical manifestation of it when you're in, you know, stage three, you know, of burnout when you're just, well, you're there at burnout. Stage um, two, you're like, it started to affect my physical health. I'm pretty sure that you probably weren't sleeping well. Mm -mm, no. <laughs> you probably had some aches and pains that just had no business being there. And no matter what you did, you couldn't get rid of it. And you were like, but I had, you had, you probably had headaches and just like, just aches and pains that just, and that's what we call the physical manifestation or in the medical, the somatization of what's going on, right? Like I am emotionally exhausted and now I'm having some physical symptoms. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, enough is enough. And you're, you used that as a barometer to now determine next. When I start to see this, uh-oh, seems like I'm heading down that lane again. Yep. I need to change. Mm -hmm. You know, there needs to be a change. If not, then I'll be in that same position once more. Yeah, I love it. Love it. You were like, listen, something has to change. I cannot continue like this. All righty. So have you since then seen some of those little flags that started to be like, hey, Dr. April, <laughs> I'm coming back. And you had to say, oh. Nope. Yeah, I have. And so I've done things such as like I even I, I've done things such as um, I schedule my personal me time. Absolutely. Because for me, I have so much going on that if mm -hmm. I don't put it in my calendar schedule, I will find a reason not to do it. Mm. I schedule in my massages, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I love. Like I, I never understood like the power of that for myself. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like. This is amazing. So for me, I love it. Some people don't, but for me, mm -hmm. like 
it's my thing. Um, dance has always been a release for me. So when I get to teach it or go and take classes myself, mm -hmm. I make sure that I have that going on for me because it's always nice. a release for me. Mm -hmm. So I have learned to incorporate things that I enjoy that help me release stress or just kind of go to another place and trigger my, my creativity. Mm -hmm. um, that's my happy place. Um, and so I make sure that I incorporate those things. I tell people, you know, they say, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. I was like, this child, when you become an adult, you still need the village. And yeah. so that's what I've done. So I actually have my, like what I call my adult village. Mm -hmm. Professionals, you know, I, I have a therapist, I have a career coach. Mm -hmm. um, because in addition to, you know, taking care of my physical well-being, my PCP and all that, but I make sure that I have all that together. Absolutely. Because it's like I recognize that I'm in a place in my life where I need support and I need grown folks support. People <laughs> <laughs> support. And yeah. so I put those things in place so that if I'm feeling a particular type of way or whatever, I can release that and learn appropriate coping mechanisms, not internalizing certain things. Mm -hmm. you know, so I'm able to work through things so that I can just avoid getting back to that place. So I just pretty much kind of created my arsenal for myself, my grown folk village. Yes. So that, so that I can actually sustain and live the life that, that I'm worthy of living. And I was like, I'm, I'm worthy of being able to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. A lot of times as black women, we're put up that there's this stereotype that we have to always be strong. Mm -hmm. but we need to be allowed to be vulnerable, mm -hmm. be allowed to have grace. And so I create that for myself, environment for myself, where I'm allowed to be upset. I'm allowed to be frustrated. I'm allowed to just be. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to do anything for anybody else, but I can have other people pour into me so that my cup can be refilled. And I think that's very important, especially as a black woman, mm -hmm. that we have to say that it's okay for us to to have some of that soft life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sis, like it's okay. Like we need to be able to be to be nurtured and, right. and have people to pour into us. And so that's one of the things for me. It's like, I'm very big on that. I love it. I love it that you call it your grown folks village. You need to give, give us, give us that, give us that list in your grown folks village again. So, so I have, I have a therapist. Mm -hmm. I have a, uh, a career coach. Mm -hmm. People may want life coaching. It depends what you're doing, but I like having a career coach, life coach. Mm -hmm. uh, I also have my core supportive family uh, they know who they are but they're my go-to's for mm -hmm. anything where i see counsel i have mentors mm -hmm. with whom you know if i need some support i need some guidance i have my mentors ready and i also take care of my physical health so i make sure that i have my primary care doctor my OBGYN. i have my dentist I have my health, but I call, call my healthcare team, my physical healthcare team. Yeah, I have those things in place because I need to make sure that I am taking care of this temple, this body, mm -hmm. because none of the other stuff matters if I'm not able to take care of my physical self. And I absolutely and to neglect, especially as doctors, we <laughs> we take care of everybody else, but we don't always do it for ourselves. So I mm -hmm. have all of those things uh, for myself. Because I know for me, like, I must have those things in place for me. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the team. And I love the analogy when you said, you know, when we're younger, we always say, hey, it takes a village to raise a kid and to raise a child. But when we get to an adult, um, we still need that village. Mm -hmm. And I love the key components that you have as a part of your village. There I add some people might even add, like, you know, the spiritual. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Spiritual, okay. Yep. yep. That pours yeah. in, and, and then you know, we've covered everything. We got movement, we got health, we got spirituality, we yeah. got my mind. <laughs> we've covered because there is a lot of mind drama that comes with adulting, yeah. as we call it. <laughs> so, I love that you have all of that in place. Great, great, great. Now, I have my fun question. Okay, okay, <laughs> for you, this is my question that I ask all my, <laughs> all my guests. 
Alrighty. So if you weren't a doctor, and I told you I'm a Pull some stuff off. Yeah. So you weren't a doctor. You weren't a mentor extraordinaire. You weren't a dance instructor because I heard about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you were a mentoring surgeon. Um, I'm going to leave this other part because I know that you're a creative. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to pull all the creativity. Okay. Out. So <laughs> what would you be? Oh, my gosh. That's tough. That's a hard one. Hmm. Oh, let me think about that. I'm gonna tell you, I'm, I'm Beyonce's backup dancer, but you can't dance. <laughs> well, go ahead. <laughs> oh my goodness, you know what? And I've had people tell me this before in different parts of my life. Mm -hmm. um, I probably would have gone, probably something within the law realm, within okay. the law realm probably. Um, I, I probably could be a lawyer. I probably would have. Yeah, I probably would have been maybe the lawyer route, and I probably would have focused a little bit more on. I probably would have been a poor lawyer, uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I'm just so much about community mm -hmm. and just how important that is. Just because I've experienced how important it has been for my own life, mm -hmm. and to still be able to help others that aren't able to help themselves. So I probably would have kind of gone into the maybe civil rights kind of law component. Okay. Gone into maybe something along those lines. Cause I would, mm -hmm. I have people coming up and say, you sure you don't want to go to law school? Like, no, I don't want to go to law school. But as I've gotten older, mm -hmm. you know, I, I know what I wouldn't want to do. Some people would say, Oh, you'd be a teacher, but I already knew I, I couldn't be a teacher. <laughs> My mom is a, my mom is an educator, and I was like, "Look out!" I love you, but I'm like, I love you. I don't know how you did it, but I, I would have quit. <laughs> <laughs> so probably, probably, maybe something, maybe something in law. Because mm -hmm. I, I can't do my creative backup, but you took that away. So I'm like, I'm probably maybe. maybe I mean, no, you can do the creative things. That's what I said. I just told you you can be a dancer. Yeah, yeah. But I said, yeah, I mean, because I, I like, I like the art, so. Mm -hmm. I, you can do other things. Was it, if it wasn't the law thing, then mm -hmm. I possibly would have gone into um, maybe animation because I drew a lot as a kid. Like I, my, I get that from my dad. So I love, I like drawing. Oh, nice. <laughs> but yeah. So You're I, my first animator. Like I have, like I have this utopia that yeah. I, you know, have my all my doctors are part of it. You were going to be my first lawyer, so now you're my lawyer animator. So you're my first lawyer and my first animator. Like yeah. I've had photojournalists. I told you I was back of dancing. We have, um, you know, cafe owners, bakers, mm -hmm. florists, internal um, designers. Um, we have internal decorators. And um, we have um, urban planners, um, a forest ranger, and what? now oh. I'm telling you, <laughs> my little Lotopia man is gonna be filled, and yeah. everybody can take care of anybody who gets sick. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I mean, I I like, I mean, because I like art in that way. I enjoy drawing. It's it's like relaxing. So I love it. I did a lot as a kid. Yeah, a lot. There we go. All righty. You know, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I love now I find out at the end that she could draw. Yeah. And, okay, there we go. So, but, uh, you know, we've had some people who've been watching and I know that there are others who have tapped in and they're just like, oh my gosh, I love the fact that Dr. Ruffin is really talking about mentoring. Um, I love the fact that she's out there helping people to advocate for themselves. She's a speaker. I wonder if, is she taking on new clients? Like, you know, let them know. How can they get into Dr. Ruffin's world? Oh, yes. Welcome to my world. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, really, they can, um, I'm on Facebook. It's under Renee Health. So R-E-N-E-E, Health, two words. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're on Facebook. And then they can also um, check me out on Instagram because um, I do like fashion too. Mm -hmm. I like artsy things, but um, I'm Mahogany Cover Girl MD on IG. Okay. And, and um, they can also visit my website uh, at reneehealth.org. And I have all the information there in terms of all the services that I offer, even snippets of um, different speaking, kind of my style and my approach there. And they can kind of learn a little bit more about me there as well. 
Yeah, they can hit me up there as well. So um, ReneeHealth.org, um, IG Mahogany Cover Girl MD, or Facebook uh, with Renee Health, or under my um, my name Ren- April Renee also, and I can get connected uh, through there as well. So love it, love it, love it. So if you guys are out there and you're looking for a dynamic speaker, I'm talking about health advocacy, um, even to educate um, those in your community on health and how you can use just a little bit of information, medical information to enhance that person's lives and their community. Then, you know, Dr. April Ruffin is the person for you. If you're also looking for somebody to help to implement mentorship programs in your community there, you know, she got you covered in that area too. So don't forget to connect with her. So you said um, AprilRuffin.org. Oh yeah. So it's um, ReneeHealth.org. ReneeHealth.org. Yeah, ReneeHealth.org. So go there, see all the things that she is able to provide for you and for your community. And you know, alrighty. So I know how y'all do. You're going to jump in. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm at the end of the conversation and I didn't catch all of this. Have no fear. This wonderful conversation is available on our Your Caring Docs website. That's U-R-C-A-R-I-N-G-D-O-C-S.com. Select podcast. Look, you'll see Dr. Ruffin's beautiful face. Download this episode and capture everything that we talked about. It was a wonderful conversation. Now, if you are looking for a dynamic speaker to talk about stress management and burnout for your next conference, I am the woman for you. So send me an email at drbeckfordatyourcaringdocs.com and just put in the line, need a speaker. Hey, and then we'll connect you, right? If you are like, you know what? Dr. Ruffin, she's doing a lot and I love her. And I got a lot to tell you about what I'm doing too. I want to jump on the podcast. I'm like, come on down. Like Bob Barker, come on down. Just send me an email at drbeckford at yourcaringdocs.com to book. Keep in mind, we are booked out a few months in advance. Why? I mean, come on now. You see all this amazingness that we have on the show? That's why, because we have all these amazing doctors, just like Dr. Ruffin here, who is showing us all the wonderful things they're doing inside and outside of clinical medicine. And I'd love to highlight you also. With that, we're going to thank you all for jumping in on this conversation. Thank Dr. April Renee Ruffin for jumping in and giving us all this information about her life, her journey, and even the information about burnout, what she's doing now to prevent it. She got her village, her adult village, and she tapped in and she gave us all this. So I hope you took notes, you know, about her, the adult village that's helping her to maintain her health inside and out to avoid burnout. And also, you can also get in contact with her on Instagram. You can get in contact with her on Facebook and her website, which is reneehealth.org. Alrighty, with that, do you have any last minute words for our people, Dr. April? Well, I just wanna encourage people, um, as old adage goes, each, uh, each one, reach one, teach one, too much is given, much is required. So I encourage everybody out there who's you know further along in their journey, just reach back to someone else and help pull them up along the way. Love it, love it, love it. And with that, we're going to end this wonderful conversation. Thank you all for joining us. And we will see you guys next time. Bye-bye.